This podcast should not be considered as medical advice. If you are looking for medical advice, please contact a licensed physician. But do try to find someone that has a brain and can think critically about what's going on in the world today. This is the Collective Resistance Podcast with your hosts, Leo and Fabiola. We will be discussing why we find ourselves resisting the narratives of the Common Collective, as well as why the Common Collective resists new information. March 2003. Panic grips Hong Kong as a deadly new virus sweeps through the city. In 2003, the Center for Disease Control saw the possibility of a gold strike. And that was the coronavirus outbreak that happened in Asia. They saw that a virus they knew could be easily manipulated was something that was very valuable. And in 2003, they sought to patent it. And they made sure that they controlled the proprietary rights to the disease, to the virus, and to its detection, and all of the measurement of it. We know that Anthony Fauci, that Ralph Barrick, that the Center for Disease Control and the laundry list of people who wanted to take credit for inventing coronavirus were at the hub of this story. From 2003 to 2018, they controlled 100% of the cash flow that built the empire around the industrial complex of coronavirus. The World Health Organization has officially named the, the novel coronavirus, coronavirus the novel coronavirus the outbreak. The coronavirus the World Health the coronavirus is a pandemic, an international a public health pandemic. emergency. Well, we know that the coronavirus manipulation started with Dr. Ralph Barrick in 1999. The major characteristics of SARS, MERS, and SARS coronavirus too, it's a good way for you Ralph Barrick is the researcher at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, who's famous for his chimeric coronavirus research. In 2002, there was a recognition that the coronavirus was seen as an exploitable mechanism for both good and ill. On April the 25th, 2003, the U.S. Center for Disease Control filed a patent on the coronavirus transmitted to humans. Under 35 U.S. Code Section 101, nature is prohibited from being patented. Either SARS coronavirus was manufactured, therefore making a patent on it legal, or it was natural, therefore making a patent on it illegal. If it was manufactured, it was a violation of biological and chemical weapons, treaties, and laws. If it was natural, filing a patent on it was illegal. In either outcome, both are illegal. In the spring of 2007, the CDC filed a petition with the Patent Office to keep their application confidential and private. They actually filed patents on not only the virus, but they also filed patents on its detection and a kit to measure it. Because of that CDC patent, they had the ability to control who was authorized and who was not authorized to make independent inquiries into coronavirus. You cannot look at the virus, you cannot measure it, you cannot develop a test kit for it. And by ultimately receiving the patents that constrained anyone from using it, 
They had the means, they had the motive, and most of all, they had the monetary gain from turning coronavirus from a pathogen to profit. Developing and owning a coronavirus vaccine has become a biotech arms race with political overtones. This vaccine gold rush is starting to bother me. Gold rush? Hmm, let's keep that in mind. And so somewhere between 2012 and 2013, something happened. The federal funding for research that was feeding into places like Harvard, Emory, University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. That funding suddenly became impaired by something that happened at the NIH, where the NIH got this little tiny moment of clarity and said, I think something we're doing is wrong. And in 2013, the NIH said, gain of function research on coronavirus should be suspended. The National Institutes of Health had a moral and social and potentially legal reason to object to research. But the letters that were sent to the researchers essentially said, you are receiving notice that we're telling you to stop. And now on the bottom of the page, we're gonna clarify what stop means. Keep going. But when the heat gets hot in 2014 and 15, what do you do? you offshore the research. You fund the Wuhan Institute of Virology to do the stuff that sounds like it's getting a little edgy with respect to its morality and legality. But do you do it straightway? No. You run the money through a series of cover organizations to make it look like you're funding a US operation, which then subcontracts with the Wuhan Institute of Virology. The US could say, China did it. China could say, the US did it. And the cool thing is, both of them are almost telling the truth. Where did the coronavirus okay, so this clip that you just listened was from the Plandemic 2 film that happened, actually it was released in August of 2020. Okay, Fabi, you remember that film well? So uh, uh, Mickey Willis was the uh, director and producer on that. This was the one, if you all remember, obviously you, you, you probably remember the name, but this was the one where there was the initial video where it was the interview with Dr. Judy Mikovits. Um, that came out, I believe, in May, I think, right at about a year ago. And it took Facebook... Oh, I'm sorry. I had you muted. I'm so sorry. Oh, no, that's good. That's okay. <laughs> but I... I uh, uh, so, so this this had came, had come out um, in May. This initial interview. Was, oh yes, that's right. That, that's short. The short mm -hmm. one, and uh, uh, it took Facebook by storm. It got shared by millions, and it you know got debunked. You know, yes. uh, Dr. Judy, she'd worked with uh, Dr. Tony Fauci for many years, and she'd uh, felt his wrath, and so she was telling her story. So then they went after her, big tech went after her, and then you had a litany of articles debunking the, 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 uh, uh, the old debunk. I love that word. I don't even know where that word came from, mm -hmm. you know, just like it got, an inter it got invented, uh, after nine eleven. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so what's interesting about this clip is that, you know, when the, the second pandemic film came out, which was the larger documentary in August, you know, they couldn't even get that 
up on Facebook, you know, initially. I mean, it, they literally, they'd worked out the algorithm where it, it got pulled down almost immediately. Even the, the versions on YouTube got pulled down. So you had to uh, know where you could go to kind of a, a more offbeat source to be able to watch that film. And fantastic film. I mean, mm-hmm. it was really well done, very well edited. Uh, um, it's it's very interesting. Even if you even if you don't believe a word of it, it's still a, a a a interesting film to watch. Okay, so the story they're talking about there is about the funding that Anthony Fauci uh, approved to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. So now, if you remember too, uh, they wouldn't even let this come up in the news. Right, I mean, they would just they would just shoot they it down. They just insert in. Yeah, yeah, you're crazy. Everyone okay. got attacked. So now ferociously by the fact checkers. <laughs> well, well, so now take you to um, uh, earlier this week. I, th- I believe this was May eleventh. Uh, okay, mm-hmm. this is Senator Rand Paul questioning Dr. Tony Fauci uh, at a Senate hearing. Okay. Dr. Fauci, we don't know whether the pandemic started in a lab in Wuhan or evolved naturally, but we should want to know. Three million people have died from this pandemic, and that should cause us to explore all possibilities. Instead, government authorities, self-interested in continuing gain-of-function research, say there's nothing to see here. Gain-of-function research, as you know, is juicing up naturally occurring animal viruses to infect humans. To arrive at the truth, the U.S. government should admit that the Wuhan Virology Institute was experimenting to enhance the coronavirus's ability to infect humans. Juicing up super viruses is not new. Scientists in the U.S. have long known how to mutate animal viruses to infect humans. For years, Dr. Ralph Barrick, a virologist in the U.S., has been collaborating with Dr. Shi Zengli of the Wuhan Virology Institute sharing his discoveries about how to create super viruses. This gain-of-function research has been funded by the NIH. The collaboration between the U.S. and the Wuhan Virology Institute continues. Doctors Barrick and Xi worked together to insert bat virus spike protein into the backbone of the deadly SARS virus and then used this man-made supervirus to infect human airway cells. Think about that for a moment. The SARS virus had a 15% mortality. We're fighting a pandemic that has about a 1% mortality. Can you imagine if a SARS virus that's been juiced up and had viral proteins added to it, to the spike protein, if that were released accidentally? Dr. Fauci, do you still support funding of the NIH funding of the lab in Wuhan? Senator Paul, with all due respect, you are entirely and completely incorrect that the NIH has not ever and does not now fund gain-of-function research in the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Do they fund Dr. Barrick? We do not fund... Do you fund Dr. Barrick's gain-of-function research? Dr. Barrett does not doing gain-of-function research, and if it is, it's according to the guidelines, and it is being conducted in North Carolina. You don't think inserting a bat virus spike protein that he got from the Wuhan Institute into the SARS virus is gain of function. That is not the minority because at least 200 scientists have signed a statement from the Cambridge Working Group saying that it is gain of function. 
Well, it is not. And if you look at the grant and you look at the uh, progress reports, it is not gain of function, despite the fact that people tweet that. So do you still support it? sending money to the Wuhan Virology Institute? We do not send money now to the to Wuhan uh, Virology Institute. support sending money? We did, under your tutelage. We were sending it through EcoHealth. It was a sub-agency right. and a sub-grant. Do you support that the money from NIH that was going to the Wuhan Institute? Let me explain to you why that was done. The SARS-CoV-1 originated in bats in China. It would have been irresponsible of us if we did not investigate the bat viruses and the serology to see who might have been or, infected Or perhaps it would be irresponsible China. to send it to the Chinese government that we may not be able to trust with this uh, knowledge and with this uh, incredibly dangerous viruses. Government scientists like yourself who favor gain-of-function research... I don't favor gain-of-function research in China. You are saying naturally. things that are not correct. Government defenders of gain-of-function, such as yourself, say that COVID-19 uh, mutations were random and not designed by man. But interestingly, the technique that Dr. Barrick developed forces mutations by serial passage through cell culture that the mutations appear to be natural. In fact, Dr. Barrick named the technique the noceum technique because the mutations appear naturally. Nicholas Baker in the New York Magazine said, nobody would know if the virus had been fabricated in a laboratory or grown in nature. Government authorities in the U.S., including yourself, unequivocally deny that COVID-19 could have escaped a lab. But even Dr. Xi in Wuhan wasn't so sure. According to Nicholas Baker, Dr. Xi wondered, could this new virus have come from her own laboratory? She checked her records frantically and found no matches. That really took a load off my mind, she said. I had not slept for days. The director of the gain-of-function research in Wuhan couldn't sleep because she was terrified that it might be in her lab. Dr. Barrick, an advocate of gain-of-function research, admits the main problem that the Institute of Virology has is the outbreak occurred in close proximity. What are the odds? Barrick responded, could you rule out a laboratory escape? The answer in this case is probably not. Will you in front of this group categorically say that the COVID-19 could not have occurred through serial passage in a laboratory? I do not have any accounting of what the Chinese may have done, and I'm fully in favor of any further investigation of what went on in China. However, I will repeat again, the NIH and NIAID categorically has not funded gain-of-function research to be conducted in the Wuhan Institute of but Virology. You do support it in the U.S. We have 11 labs doing it, and you have allowed it here. We have a committee to do it, but the committee has granted every exemption. You're you're fooling with Mother Nature here. You're allowing super viruses to be created with a 15% mortality. It's very dangerous. I think it was a huge mistake to share this with China, and it's a huge mistake to allow this to continue in the United States. And we should be very careful to investigate where this virus came from. I fully agree that you should investigate where the virus came from. But again, we have not funded gain-of-function research on this virus 
in the Wuhan Institute of Virology, no matter you're how parsing many times words, you're parsing you say words. it, there it was didn't research. Happen. There was research done with Dr. Xi and Dr. Barrick. They have collaborated on gain-of-function research where they enhanced the SARS virus to infect human airway cells, and they did it by merging a new spike protein on it. That is gain-of-function. That was joint research between the Wuhan Institute and Dr. Barrick, you can't deny it. Senator Paul, your time, time has expired. Dr. Fauci, I will let you respond to that. We need to move on. Excuse me? You're, I will allow you to respond to that, and then we'll move on. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just wanted to say, we, I, I don't know how many times I can say it, Madam Chair. We did not fund gain-of-function research to be conducted in the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Okay, I don't know about you, but... Uh, so it's several things jump out, but I mean, it is ridiculous. I mean, I, I like somebody online uh, categorized that that interview that that uh, Rand Paul had him dead to rights on that. I mean, he he sounded like an idiot trying to defend the position mm -hmm. when the people that he was funding were even saying that you know the risk was there, yeah. and it, it's nuts. But I, there there is a broader point that I want to bring up, and I, this is why I wanted to get like these particular clips in this episode and kind of, you know, put it in as a time capsule because um, it's just so intriguing to me that we were not allowed to talk about this in August mm -hmm. when Plandemic came out, okay? We were not allowed to talk about it. It was, um, that film was uh, debunked. It was uh, um, labeled a labeled conspiracy, conspiracy theory, and I mean, it was censored. You read these reviews of it. It there is nothing. They're, they're not even um, arguing any of the points. They're literally right. just. It's it's like they're making fun of somebody's clothes. Yeah. You know what I mean? And 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 now this storyline is getting traction, and. Now you've got senators here. I mean, what is this? If, if that was in August and now we're in May, I mean, what? That's like eight, nine months later. Mm -hmm. uh, now this is being brought up. You're seeing the news. I had another clip from um, Sky News in Australia, uh, which is kind of like the BBC down there. They were bringing it up, and um, you're starting to see this uh, uh, the storyline make the rounds. And 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 I'm thinking, okay, well, what was wrong with this storyline? In August, mm -hmm. what the hell was wrong? Now all of a sudden we're allowed to talk about this after yeah. how many more supposed deaths and uh, uh, how much more lockdown, business closures, all of this. You know, there are a lot of different tracks with this uh, pandemic. You know, we've talked a little bit about, you know, the no virus mm -hmm. uh, uh, idea. The we, theoretical virus. The theoretical virus. We've talked about uh, the, the lab leak in Wuhan, mm -hmm. but... but Really, I think the the most important thing that we need to hone in on is that it's important to vet all of this stuff out, you know. And 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 when people start to um, close down discussion and and don't let certain ideas out there, then that should put people's radar on where they're like, okay, well, what's what's going on? Why can't we talk about yeah. this? Well, I mean, if we were investigating a murder, would we say, okay, look, you can investi investigate every storyline except one. Don't ask questions about this right. one storyline. I mean, wouldn't we be? Wouldn't our radar be like, uh, okay, why can't we ask about that yeah. one storyline? I mean, that doesn't make any sense. And so I wanted to put this at, what did you want to say? Yeah, like um, Senator Rand Paul says, um, 
cause us to explore every possibility. And that's what we've been saying in different episodes. Why are we not looking other places? Why is this the this this virus the cause of everything or it, we can't explore where it came from we can't explore the testing the methodology with the testing we can't explore um that we don't i mean it was sequenced in a computer but it was never seen and people get very upset and they shut down the conversation using words like conspiracy theory, chain of misinformation, and debunked. And they really are not open to um, asking the questions or looking at the content, you know? Well, and it's going to be really intriguing where this storyline goes, you know, and, mm-hmm. and to see um, what happens with Fauci around this, you know, if this if this uh, uh, gets taken to the uh, the level where he's actually called to account on this, you know, and actually, you know, he, cause he really sounds in this interview, like he's splitting hairs and saying, no, it wasn't gain of function research, but you know, everybody he's working with is calling it gain of function, you know? So he, I like how Rand Paul says, you know, we've got a list of 200 scientists and doctors that say, yeah. yes, it is. It is gain of function. He goes, well, no, it's not. <laughs> I mean, because I'm, I said so. Is, is anybody, buying this anymore and 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 i want you just to think about when that plan because you all probably remember i mean if you were on facebook you remember uh some of the the posting people put about that oh you're not going to watch that garbage you know and all that and Mm -hmm. and and now here you've got senators bringing this up and obviously you're still going to probably have people say oh Rand paul he's a libertarian republican you know uh uh but but you know i want to ask rand too i want to say hey rand because you know there's no way Rand didn't see the movie. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, this was a big movie, yeah. and, and you know all the senators. Probably saw yeah, you, yeah, you know all the senators <laughs> saw this. So I want to ask Rand, you know, well, what is it about now that it's okay to bring this up yeah. in a Senate hearing? You've, you've had exchanges with Fauci uh, many times over the last nine months, and you haven't brought it up. Well, why now? You know? Mm-hmm. So anyway, I wanted to put, I'm, I'm not sitting here going to tell you what the answer is. Uh, but I, I just want you to keep your your radar on for that. And then something else I just wanted to uh, to point out. You know, we had another thing in the news recently around the the oil pipeline that got hacked, and and uh, they're having you know gasoline shortages. And uh, um, you know, I, I, I there's a lot of confusing information on that as well. And and I, somebody I, I was listening to on another podcast, uh, I thought he made an interesting point and said. Uh, you know, when you uh, draw attention to a crisis, uh, you create a panic. Mm-hmm. And um, they were talking about, you know, how gas gas stations buy gasoline. You know, they buy it based on historical records for what they sell on that particular week, you know, of the year, and then and they order that much. Now, when you have a when you tell the uh, whole eastern seaboard that there is a uh, shortage there's going to be a shortage well what do people do they go out and they, they they're not just buying normal amounts of gasoline mm-hmm. they're buying extra i mean they had photos of people filling rubbermaid containers up with gasoline <laughs> and putting them in the back of their car and so these gas stations are are being taxed at a much higher level 
And so now you've got this supposed hack. But but the reason why I wanted to bring that up is that um, we've talked a little bit in the past about uh, the Great Reset. Uh-huh. We, we've mentioned it and how the World Economic Forum, you know, has kind of worked hand in hand with um, uh, some of these other um, groups like Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and whatnot. Like they had the something that was focused on in the pandemic documentary was the Event Two Hundred One planning. Uh, what, what did they call that? A scripted exercise, mm-hmm. which was all it brought actual world leaders together, and they all had scripted parts, and it was like uh, saying, "Hey." We have this faux pandemic, and how would we all react? And what are the the situations that are coming up? As far you know, they would they would deliver those, and people would would work through that. And and what was so interesting about Event Two Hundred One is that happened um, in 2019, in the fall of 2019, just before the pandemic yeah. started, and they called out a lot of the exact things that occurred, you know, the shortage of PPE, you know, mm-hmm. the, there wouldn't be masks uh, available for... Respirators. There wouldn't be a run out of respirators. There would be people spreading conspiracy theories and all this mm-hmm. stuff. And it really, it's so amazing how Mickey Willis and Pandemic puts that together because he puts actual news footage from the pandemic next to the faux news footage that they created for... Uh, this event 201 exercise, and it is almost identical. Yes. It's so crazy. Uh, uh, to watch the newscast. If you have not seen Plandemic, you're really doing yourself a disservice. You should see this film. Again, I don't think there's any documentary that any of us would say, hey, we agree with 100% of the stuff in there. Mm-hmm. But I mean, just as, a, as an aggregate product, it is a fantastic film. You need to see it. We will provide the link in the show notes, which it's plandemicseries.com, mm-hmm. and you can uh, access that. But, but, but what I wanted to do was the World Economic Forum had put out a, another video uh, where it's talking about, guess what? Cyber attacks. Oh. Okay. And that they're doing planned exercises around mass scale global cyber attacks. Okay. So, so here, let me, uh, let me pull this up here and I want to just get this on. Uh, it's not super, it's, it's a little bit more visual, but let's go ahead and play this. 2020 is a year that has really changed the world. It is thanks to technology that we are able to join the cyber polygon entirely remotely. This training is another step in creating a trusted digital environment and fostering open dialogue to discuss even the most challenging cybersecurity issues. Nobody can fight these phenomena, which are only going to increase in the next couple of years in this dynamic technological environment. As this world grows in force, and this happens throughout the world, it's just a statement of the obvious. You need to protect people properly.
Okay, yeah, it's a little bit more visual, but um, we'll provide the link to the YouTube video for that. But uh, Klaus Schwab is the one you can hear speaking at the beginning of that, and he's kind of the uh, the primary voice of the World Economic Forum. He's the one that wrote the uh, the book about uh, called The Great Reset, mm-hmm. uh, which is a, a real page turner, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which we liked uh, the first name for The Great Reset when it was called Agenda 21. Uh-huh. And again, everybody said, oh, that's conspiracy theory. Yes. And, uh, you know, you can't bring that up. Uh, so now they've relabeled that. And uh, it's, it's being marketed now as uh, The Great Reset. Um, and, uh, you know, they're saying, you know, this is basically the intermixing of climate change with the pandemic mm-hmm. that, you know, it's actually necessary for us to reel in all aspects of what's happening within the climate and how we interact with it because the pandemic is a direct output mm-hmm. of that. Um, the you know, book came out in June. Oh yeah. He had the book written, you know, within just Line a couple fast. months. Yeah. He got it edited just Within a couple months, he probably doesn't have anything else. Yeah, to do, I think he, right? he he was one of the co-authors of the uh, Patriot Act, dude. <laughs> okay, that's a joke, but um, <laughs> if you know, you know. Let's just say that. Um, so what we're trying to say here for people that don't get our sarcasm is that he probably wrote that before this whole thing went down. Yeah, yeah, it's, and it's it's not a it's not a small book either. But, but again, we have no evidence of that. But, you know, really, so the point I'm trying to make is, you know, they make these, uh, these marketing pieces around these uh, exercises and whatnot. And it's really interesting because uh, if you've ever heard of the term predictive programming, you know, you mm-hmm. put this out there, they pick pieces of this up for the news. And what it does is it puts it in your mind like, okay, this is something that, that happens. It's something that is needed or, you know, we're planning for the future. So then when these things occur... Um, you know, and I'm using air quotes mm-hmm. right now when they you're occur. You're planting the seed. You're planting the seed that then now we know how to react accordingly. We've yeah. already wrote the the script on it. We've you know everything is backed into our plan perfectly. Here's what we need to do. So so again, I just thought it was so interesting. We now have this this pipeline hack. Okay, and and that may be the groundwork for whatever the the larger. Um, cyber attack, the global one that may be where we're talking about mass power outages and things of that nature. That's at least when you look a little bit more in depth on Cyber Polygon from the World Economic Forum, you will see that uh, they do talk about that, you know, these large scale hacking operations that could take out power grids across the world and things of that nature. And so it's, um, it's just really intriguing stuff. So we just want to kind of Put that in your minds. Be thinking about that because... Uh, Have your flashlights ready, your <laughs> generator, <laughs> your solar power panels. So, you know, and, and just some other things I wanted to note, um, you know, today, uh, today is the, where we're recording this is the 15th of, um, of uh, May, May and uh, Kansas City, where we happen to be stationed at the moment. Uh, they removed their mask mandate. Mm-hmm. And I uh, thought it was interesting. Went to a couple stores today. And uh, I mean, I don't wear a mask anyway, but but uh, even though the stores had signs mm-hmm. that said, you know, a mask is required, you, you had probably 50% of the people not wearing masks. And Not at the health food store, though, which I, I always think that's a very interesting that at the health food store where people really look very healthy. Oh, you mean they were fully masked? Yeah. Really? 
Yeah. yeah and, and that was that, that was a landmark moment, right? Because this is the first time the, the kids have been in a grocery store. Oh, my gosh. They went crazy. They love being in grocery stores. And we don't bring them in because uh, we don't do masks. We're not going to force them to to do a mask. And so uh, uh, they just haven't gotten to go to the grocery store. So they were very excited about that. They were very that. excited. I was excited. Tomorrow, I think I'm even going to take them to Target. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I was in Home Depot and uh, walking around and, you know, I, I, it was just crazy. I mean, I'm, I'm walking around and I almost want to do a cartwheel, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, it was also interesting because, you know, the, the workers are still wearing masks yeah. and I'm checking out. Because it's about making the customers comfortable. comfortable. Yeah. And, and I'm at the self-checkout and the girl comes right up to me. She's very nice. I'm not wearing a mask. She doesn't say anything. She's very nice. But I, I think just, you know, uh, a day before, you know, she probably would have came up to me, sir, you're, you're not wearing your mask, yeah. you know, and then maybe towed the line, mm-hmm. you know. I'm and, not going to check you out. <laughs> but I, I, I think it's it's interesting. So now because the mandate's not there, now you're really seeing, okay, who who's in what camp, right? Because you had a lot of people, I think, that were not in the mask camp, but were doing it because, you know, they were forced to. Right. So now you're seeing that that split. And at least in, in uh, Home Depot, like I said, it was pretty 50-50. Mm-hmm. So very intriguing. I did think there was an interesting uh, tweet from David Hogg. If you remember David Hogg, he was in the... Um, uh, I can't remember which school shooting, but he was, uh, it was one of the, the, the bigger ones. Uh, Columbine? Not Columbine. No, that's, that's too old. It was, uh, uh, it was one within the, I think it was one back in 2017 uh, or 2018. I'm trying to think, but anyway, it's not important, but um, he's become a real voice around, you know, uh, increasing uh, gun restrictions and, and oh, stuff restrictions. like that. Yeah. Restrictions. Yeah. He, you know, he wants guns to be gone. And uh, he he tweeted. Um, oh, I, was it Sandy Hook? No, no, he wasn't no, in Sandy Hook. No, 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 no. Those are okay. those were little kids. But um, he he uh, he says I feel the need to continue wearing my mask outside, even though I'm fully vaccinated, because the inconvenience of having to wear a mask is more than worth it to have people not think I'm a conservative. <laughs> And and I I thought to myself I said that's almost the pandemic in a nutshell. Yes, exactly. Right there, you know, it's it's like uh, he, he why doesn't he just say you know yeah. I I break for virtue signaling. Yes, I know. <laughs> oh, you know. Um, and I know it's and it's interesting because the people that bring up the politicization are the people that are actually bringing up the. The p- politics of you know the the different candidates yeah. you know like they mention them because this is a Trump thing or this is a a Biden thing and it's nutty. I mean I've been accused of that and I I don't think I've have ever mentioned the name of any of the the candidates the past candidates so well I know you wanted to you wanted to we we wanted to focus in on a little bit of a um, experience you had personal story. <laughs> And uh, so can we turn it over to Fabiola for Fabiola's story time? Yes, Fabiola. It's a sad story. Sad story. Well, it kind of had a and good it kind of had a good ending, right? So to speak. <laughs> <laughs> I was canceled and then not canceled. You were canceled by my and friends. then uncanceled, okay. But it's just an example of the 
the microcosm of this whole thing, right? Because we see doctors out there trying to speak up or ask questions and then being completely like attacked uh, out of the blue. Like we had Dr. Northrup's clip a couple episodes ago. And, um, you know, you see this big figures getting attacked, right? That have been like darlings for a year, and then all of a sudden everybody hates them and and accuse them of terrible things. But it turns out that also happens to the common folk. No, (laughs) I don't believe it. Yes, and it happened to me around Christmas time where I was part of a group of friends, and I was really questioning what was going on, and I had friends that were pretty much... And and when you say group, you mean an online group? Yes. Yeah. An online, online community. Group. Yeah, online community. Those things like people would never say that stuff to your face probably. But they do say it offline. But I thought it was cool to just get to see what are people's um thoughts. Yeah, unfiltered. And beliefs, you know, uh towards what you are trying to say or the questions that we are trying to ask and I had just purchased Dr. Cowan's book uh, called The Contagion Myth, Why Viruses, Including the Coronavirus, Are Not the Cause of Disease. We talked about that last episode. Yes, we talked about that. Or not, two episodes ago. And I was reading it, and it's very well researched. He's He has, like, tons of references in that book. I mean, really good content. It gets you thinking. Right? How is he? I mean, he's an MD and he practiced for years, for decades. How did he come up with this, um, this finding? Uh, and it's interesting that people are so quick to basically just Google the name really quickly. The first post, if you Google it, is going to say that Dr. Cowan is a, a conspiracy theorist. It doesn't have anything about the content in the book yeah, whatsoever. Don't go in and debate yeah. the idea. Let's right? just attack go his after character. the person. And uh, the post says that he surrendered his medical license because he probably felt the system was broken. No, I, I've heard him say that. He's like, you know, I, I used he didn't it. Want to participate. I, I used it initially, and then when I couldn't take it any further because it was too limited, you know, to be able uh-huh. to treat my patients, I I, I gave it up. And then, of course, the friends go go on to understand that as him being uh, revoked or something, him yeah, his license revoked, which which wasn't the case. So that was the first response the friend had to my post, and my post basically said maybe you would find this book interesting. He had a picture of the book because we had been discussing back and forth um, the statistics and the death certificates and all the shady stuff that was happening. And some friends just did not appreciate that. So once I posted the book, I think that was the straw that broke Broke the the camel's camel's back. back. Yeah. So I just posted a picture of the book and said, okay, maybe there's some good information here. Maybe you would find this book interesting. Remember, germ theory is still a theory. And epidemiology doesn't prove a disease is infectious. And, and maybe that's what got me um, um, attacked back, I guess. I said, opening our mind is good for the soul. 
because all they were doing is just posting this fear, 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 because... A fear tornado. Yeah, there's all these cases, and I'm stuck in my apartment, and whatnot. So I wrote that, and then the uh, uh, the first response I said I got was the friend said that this doctor is a conspiracy theorist, basically. Then another friend chimed in, and she said the following. Whoa, so much ignorance for no reason. I think opening your head and opening your eyes is good for the brain, and a lot of people don't do it. Human beings need to stop being selfish and arrogant. I think when she said human beings, she was really referring to me. <laughs> so selfish and arrogant, discussing little books with conspiracy theories, with pretty words, does not prove you are right. Open your eyes and stop being irresponsible. You will only understand this is real the day your children or yourself will be home without being able to breathe with nothing that can help you feel better because there is no treatment in all capital, she wrote. And she continues, there is no doctor to tell you that everything is going to be okay. You shit your pants. You were so scared because you were not sure of anything. You are afraid of becoming a number in the statistics and die. Stop acting like you were an intellectual because your stupidity doesn't sound anything intelligent. Open your eyes and stop reading books that try to convince you of the contrary because when you get this shit, you don't even have a place to go if you need a hospital. Hospitals are at maximum capacity. Go to an emergency room to see the ambulances coming in with people on respirators to see if you're not going to get on your knees asking God that the same won't happen to you or your children. I am sorry, but I am done. And with that, she left the group, so I couldn't even. Yeah, is, is, isn't that interesting? You know, I want to, I want to uh, uh, break my toy so you can't play with it, and then, and then, uh, just or uh, yeah, I don't know if that's a bad metaphor, but I mean, just like I'm going to leave the park, you know, mm-hmm. because we we don't we're not going to play on this this thing together. You know what yeah. I mean? So I'm just leaving, I'm taking my stuff, and I'm going home. Yes. You know. And following that post, the other friend that was saying that Dr. Cowan was a conspiracy theorist, said, I didn't want to cause all this fighting. I posted and responded, and his response was that Dr. Cowan was a conspiracy theorist, because I want to end, I want the end of this pandemic soon. It's really hard to watch the chain of misinformation when people close to me, friends, family of my fiance, are dying with this virus simply because of the extreme polarization with no reason. And just to stop his post for a second, he was the one that was always like bringing Trump up <laughs> when I never did, how he was an awful and horrible person and the pandemic was all his fault. But he continues, I'm going to get off this group so not to spoil friendships and we will see each other when this pandemic is finally under control. Remember that each person that is convinced to not wear a mask and therefore spread the virus throws away each month of my quarantine to sacrifice uh, uh, that I sacrifice to help out. People, let's help out and more importantly, protect yourselves. Period. And then 
leave the group. And then he left the group, <laughs> and I was canceled. So I wanted to bring this up because we did talk a lot about the science behind the mask. We talked about the vaccine. We talked about lockdowns. We talked about the politics. We talked about so many topics surrounding these. And even though I understand uh, those people were scared, probably, they never really asked any questions. All they did was basically attack my char character, call me stupid, which is fine if that's what they think. And, and I appreciate actually hearing, you know, the unfiltered. Yeah, the unfiltered. Um, but what it is a little hard is that, yeah, we cannot have these conversations anymore. And one of the friends, the one that, that did, you know, um, call me a few names here and there she did eventually apologized and said she did have covid and she was really sick for four months and she even has some side effects from being sick and you know my heart goes out to her and i guess people are quick to jump to conclusions you know and call you irresponsible and go ahead leo well i mean i just think this comes back to what we've reiterated is that we've never said that people aren't getting sick. Yeah. Okay, we've never said that. And and uh, but people look at this, and I think this is because of the media that, that this is a binary conversation. Yeah. This is that this is completely fake, or mm -hmm. it's full blown. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and we've said it before that there is a gray nuance to this yeah. that we need to sort out. And that's mm -hmm. what these discussions are trying to do. What is the real? Yeah. What is the fake? Because there is certainly both things going on yes so to put in perspective what my friend was saying so one of them said he was watching people close to him die friends of family right which is really sad and my heart goes out to them really i have had friends too that has said their um, loved one died of covid we have discussed that at length we have discussed about the testing. We have discussed about how many things now are um, diagnosed as COVID. And me, I work for a large network of hospitals. And I I know firsthand, even at the beginning, in the middle of the, the, you know, the end of last year, our hospitals were not at capacity. A lot of people are not even able to go to the hospital because they had things closed down. They didn't want people coming in. So we're not at capacity. We're hurting for money. So much so that now we send data to the government so we can get reimbursed for COVID-related treatments and procedures. So I was trying to say that, <laughs> you know, in those posts. But I just wanted to... Uh, Put this in perspective right so there was an article in the defender and we will share the link um, in the notes called covid deaths putting the numbers in perspective and this article was just published uh, this past week and i'm gonna read the article to you guys it's not very long so bear with me the article says every year roughly 2.8 and 3 million people die in the united states just wonder, uh, under one percent of the population in some years deaths exceed projections for instance in a bad flu year these extra deaths are characterized as excess deaths in february 
the CDC reported it attributed 376,504 deaths in 2020 to COVID-19. Each death is regrettable, but to put the number in perspective, the COVID deaths in 2020 were actually lower than the 401,000 excess deaths in 2017, a bad flu year. This findings mirror excess death data from other countries, where excess deaths were also higher in 2017 than in 2020. A recent research paper in the prestigious journal, The Proceedings of the National Academy of Science, points out these statistics and then an even more surprising claim. And uh, the article quotes a part of this research paper. It says, the comparison is more striking when years of life lost, YLL, is the measure used. Goldstein and Lee estimate uh, those are the authors of the paper, estimate that the mean loss of life for a person dying of COVID-19 in the United States is 11.7 years. Multiplying 377,000 dissidents by 11.7 years lost per dissident gives a total of 4.41 million years of life lost to COVID-19 in 2020. Only a third of the 13.02 million life years lost to excess mortality in the United States in 2017. The reason that the comparison is so much sharper for years of life lost than for excess deaths, uh, that COVID-19 deaths in 2020 occurred at much older ages on average than the excess deaths in 2017. And I think Leo he had brought that in a, in an episode that 2017 uh, bad flu year killed a lot of young like children. Yeah, I mean, just compared to the the COVID death rate, I, I can't remember the numbers exactly, but I mean, it was it was at least um, you know seven eight times as many children under the age of 18, you know, that would die in a flu year, a bad flu year than than COVID. So mm-hmm. so at least with kids, you know, it's night and day. Yeah. So the article continues, in other words, while more than 4 million years of life were lost in 2020, more than 13 million were lost in 2017. This echoes what many experts have been saying for months. COVID is comparable to severe flu that disproportionately affects old people, but is less dangerous for young people, even than the flu. Some my claim COVID deaths would have been much worse without lockdowns and mass mandates. There is increased evidence, however, that these non-pharmaceutical interventions had little or no effect on COVID mortality. Good examples are South and North Dakota, two neighboring states with similar populations and almost identical COVID death curves. Even though North Dakota instituted a statewide mass mandate and restrictions on indoor activities last fall, while South Dakota did not. A similar comparison exists between Florida and California, where Florida actually fared better after lifting statewide restrictions in September 2020, while California continued with strict lockdowns. In Europe, Sweden provides a counterpoint to the uh, countries that chose hard lockdowns but had worse mortality outcomes. The excess mortality numbers in COVID case numbers 
call into question the soundness of the public health response to the pandemic. The long-term consequences of the lockdowns have been catastrophic. Is that how you say that word? Catastrophic. Catastrophic. In both economic and health outcomes, lockdowns put elderly people at increased risk in the long run and deprive young people of freedom without significant benefit. Worst of all, the long-term consequences of lockdowns and the public, public health response will last for decades to come. And I will share the link, as I said, and the link has pretty good graphs you guys can use uh, to see the difference between South and North Dakota in deaths and same for Florida and California. Yeah, so I mean, I mean, I, I think that this whole story with like your exchange with the friends online is really, um, it plays in really well with the clips we played at the beginning because, you know, you have a situation where, you know, pandemic was, wasn't even allowed to be discussed. And now all of a sudden this narrative is a thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and so here you've got friends. I mean, who, who decides Yeah, when something is a thing? Isn't that what we have to do? We have to put the information out there and we have to chew on it and we have to say, okay, well, this is what sounds solid. This, this, uh, this is what I don't like about it. Mm-hmm. And if we don't do that, if we just mute the conversation and we say, Hey, just shut up, just shut up and do what you're told, yeah. you know? Well, I mean, isn't that ripe for, don't be stupid and irresponsible. Yeah, isn't that right for being taken advantage of? I mean, if and and I don't think there is anybody that could potentially be listening this to this podcast that can't say that they don't think that there is some aspect, you know, even if you don't you don't believe the whole thing has has been constant barrage of 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 people taking advantage of things, that there aren't some aspects that are very very shady about mm-hmm. what's going on. I mean, there, yeah. whether it's the vaccines or the, or the, the, uh, the social control mechanisms, you know, and when you look at the impact of the lockdowns and stuff, and now that we're starting to come out of this a little bit, um, I think it's going to be really interesting uh, whether they let us stay in a, you know, coming out uh, mm-hmm. uh, mode, you know, uh, mm-hmm. I thought it was really intriguing. I listened to the radio for the first time, uh, I hadn't listened to talk radio in probably a year because I'm usually listening to podcasts and stuff. And uh, I was heading to that doctor's appointment. You know, it's about a 30 minute drive, and so I'm, I'm listening in the car and you know to talk radio. And uh, it, it's just COVID after COVID after COVID thing. And um, the the subtext is so. I mean, I mean, it's like these are the things we do. You know what I mean? It's it's get your shot. In fact, even the state of Kansas, they had a song, uh, which it, it said, "Roll up your sleeves, Kansas." <laughs> That's why I, I don't have a recording contract. But but uh, uh, I couldn't believe it, you know. And I'm like, like this is how we this is how we Kansas we 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 get things done. We because we work hard. We roll up our sleeves and do the work. Well, we need to roll up sleeves with this pandemic too. And yeah. and and uh, I just. It's just nuts. And every news article is, um, it, it's it's shifted. The angle is shifted to, you know, the vaccinated are the only ones that are doing the right thing. Yeah. And I mean, it's just so crazy. And I'm like thinking, is there nothing else going on in the world? You know what right. I mean? It, this is all they're talking about for, for a 30-minute drive. It's just different angles on the same topic. Mm-hmm. And again, I know that we 
talk a lot about COVID, right? That's yeah. what our main shtick is. But I mean, we're trying to give the counterpoint, yeah. right? Because nobody's giving the counterpoint. <laughs> I mean, hardly, hardly anybody. You can't, you can't really talk about it. Yeah. Because even if you, you tell them, okay, it's in the data submitted to the FDA. Like I was talking to a friend the other day. I said, that vaccine doesn't prevent transmission or infection. It says on the data, like it's debatable, right? Because I think I'm more on the terrain theory mm -hmm. train than the germ theory train. It just makes more sense to me. But it's still, go to the source before you you start attacking people or say you don't believe it. This is not about belief. Yeah, it's not about belief, exactly. So you believing it, it doesn't make it correct. Yeah. Or not correct. It's like, let's do the work, people. Yeah, but, you know, why can't, why can't we talk about it? Yeah, I mean, I mean what, why what, do you think we what, what, what is the risk? What yeah, is, what the, is risk? the risk? You know, Maybe are, be, if you invested several months of your life stuck at home, well, you, you want to justify yourself. I don't know. Yeah, because if you really believe what you are doing, then what's the risk in talking about something that's that's another angle because you really believe what you're doing so you could talk about the something else and go okay yeah there we talked about it i still believe what i believe but if you get if you come around to the other idea then guess what you don't believe what you believed anymore yeah so how, why would you care if your belief changed you know i mean so, i i think it might have to do with just investment or you know, I think for a doctor, for example, that has been administering vaccines to children or adults. Yeah, because you're admitting that you... Yeah, that you find out that this is hurting people. And then to go even farther and start looking in the literature and then realize that those things should not be injected in humans, especially infants. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? So... Um, not looking like ignorance is bliss maybe yeah i don't know yeah don't give me that information because if i know it i can't unknow it yeah you know i can't fight the system i you know i gotta provide for my family which i totally understand you know it's something i want to point out and this is something that again I, there, there's not a definitive answer on this but it it it, it it sparks conversation. And that's, you know, the, the CDC came out this week and uh, it's, this is on their website. You can get to it and says, as previously announced, CDC is transitioning to reporting only patients with COVID-19 vaccine breakthrough infection that were hospitalized or died to help maximize the quality of the data collected on cases of greatest clinical and public health importance. That change in reporting will begin on May 14th. 2021 in yesterday yesterday in preparation for that transition the number of reported breakthrough cases will not be updated on may 7th 2021 so as you know breakthrough cases are the cases of people who get covid19 again i'm using air quotes get covid19 um, that have had the shots okay so so you know there's been a ton of breakthrough cases mm -hmm. we're talking thousands of breakthrough cases um so what they're actually saying here there's a couple things if you read the larger article, um, but I thought the interesting thing is here, they're only going to report uh, people who were hospitalized or died that that tested positive. But what, what they also don't mention here, but if you read the further, um, the further article, is that they are going to test people who have had the shots 
with the PCR test at lower cycle thresholds. And if you remember, we've talked, we've done a whole yes. show this on can this. Totally be manipulated. So, so that means that the people who haven't had the shot are still doing the higher counts, mm-hmm. which come back with false positives a large, large amount of time. And then the people who've had the shots are doing. Uh, uh, a slightly more accurate test because they're getting the sl- the lower cycle count. So I mean, w- w- explain that. There's n- and, yeah. and if you read if you read the, the the documentation, there's no explanation for why they would do that. They're just letting you know that they're doing it that way. So yes, I mean, on Dr. Cowan's book, it says you know for one of the 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 assays, you know, one of the tests, it says according to a product announcement from Light Mat Light Mix. Modular SARS-CoV assay. These assays are not intended for use as an aid in the diagnosis of coronavirus infection. <laughs> so they're using testing that is not intended for <laughs> testing when they tell you that it's testing. And he mentioned something, and, and maybe some people have heard of it, but uh, there's this, this, the president of Tanzania... John Magfoley, I think is Magavoli, I believe. Magavoli. It says, maybe the wisest world ruler alive today, a chemist by training, he submitted samples to the World Health Organization for testing. And he says, uh, uh, But he didn't tell them what he tested. Yes. We took samples from goats. (laughs) We sent samples from sheep. We took samples from. Pawpaws, is that you say? Pawpaw fruit. Pawpaws. We sent samples from car oil, and we took samples from other different things, and we took the samples to the laboratory without them knowing. His officials named the sample of car oil Jabil Hamza, 30-year-old male. The result came back negative. They named a sample of jackfruit Sarah Samuel, age 45 female the result came back inconclusive papa got sent in as elizabeth ann 26 year old female the poor papa came back positive samples from a bird called kawar and from a goat also tested positive rabbit was indeterminate sheep was negative president magufli is not wasting any government money on testing for his people, but in the West, governments have spent millions for the PCR test kits. And who owns those patents, right? Yeah, but you should also know uh, he actually died just recently. Oh, he did of COVID? Yeah, yeah. well, I'm using air quotes again. If I could only show you how many times I'm using air quotes. <laughs> but yeah, he died Um Rumor that says rumors swirled online that he was sick and possibly incapacitated from illness. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, they probably uh, took him out because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's mean, making him look like idiots. <laughs> we are, we're gonna really earn that conspiracy theory name. I know, I know, but I mean, it's just so funny. We've got, we've got, we've got Carrie Mullis, you know, who invented the PCR and he dies just before the pandemic starts uh, yes. of pneumonia. And then we've got Magafuli who makes the, the, the test look like a joke, right? By yeah. testing fruit and oil and everything else, yeah. and he dies. Um, so anyway, we are at an hour. I think we're probably good for today. Yes. Uh, we really appreciate you guys joining us again. And uh, that wraps it up for another episode of the Collective Resistance Podcast with Leo and Fabi. Fabi, what do you want to tell everybody? I want to tell everybody. 
to stay healthy, stay safe, and most importantly, stay curious. <laughs>